Welcome back to the New Yachtsman. Today I've got a great guest, uh, Phil Friedman. Phil's got decades of experience in the space we're talking about. He's been CEO of large yacht companies and been a consultant and a writer, and I'll let him introduce himself as well. But Phil's got a lot of experience for the New Yachtsman. And today I just want to pick his brain on suggestions for you, the New Yachtsman, and how to get started in the industry and kind of what things to look for and how to select the right yacht. So, Phil, why don't you go ahead and uh, give give a little background about yourself, and we'll get going. Okay. Yeah, I uh, been I've been in the recreational marine industry uh, as a uh, boat builder, uh, designer, and uh, uh, marine business manager for more than thirty years. Uh, at one point in the uh, early two thousands, uh, for several years, I was president and CEO of Palmer Johnson Yachts in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, and Savannah, Georgia where we uh, built uh, and refit uh, large mega yachts uh, to approximately 200 feet. Uh, more recently, I've been functioning as the uh, general manager of Marine Manufacturing Group in Painesville, Ohio, uh, where we build uh, tartan sailing yachts, uh, legacy motor yachts, and more recently, we're gonna take on uh, building uh, uh, a line of um, small trawlers known as sea uh, pipers. That's great. Um, so you new yachtsmen out there, Palmer Johnson is was a, a very um, a very high end larger yacht builder beyond the scope of this channel. But they they were building large crude yachts. So Phil has a lot of experience in in the you know. 10 million plus area and also has background in everything from smaller sailboats and trawlers. So Phil, I think a great place to start is if I was a executive retiring from my company and I'm, you know, possibly in my 60s, I don't have a long history of boating in my family or in my background, um, what would you advise them to do first when they want to find their first I'd say yacht in the 50 to 70 foot range. What, what would be your, your advice to them as how to get started in this process? I think the important thing is to find, is to determine the mission for the yacht that you wanna, that you wanna acquire. That is you have to figure out what you wanna do. Uh, do you want to spend time living aboard on an extended basis? Do you want to uh, cruise? Do you want to island hop? Do you want to cross oceans? I, these are different missions for yachts. And the mission determines the kind of yacht. It really does determine the kind of yacht that you need and which will satisfy best your needs and requirements. Gotcha. How, how have you seen the industry really change in the last 15 or 20 years? Um, I, I, I assume that early in your career, there was a lot more sailing going on now and a lot more slow trawlers. Um, what are you seeing the demand is today for the new yachtsman? Well, again, I, 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 think the, I think the demand for, say, slower trawlers is, is pretty uh, constant, uh, but not necessarily because the, not necessarily because the, the market demands it, but because we're still bound by some myths uh, in, in the industry. And, and one is that slow boats are more efficient, slow boats cost less money to run, 
none of which is true if you can't get if you can't do what you want to do with the boat. I, an example that I think about is uh, I spent a number of years uh, living aboard and cruising, and my wife and I are um, what I like to call destination cruisers. That is, we don't want to spend. We have no interest in spending long hours at sea, uh, days and, and, and weeks at sea. Uh, what we want to do is we want to travel somewhere, get there, and then enjoy the local, uh, the local sites and uh, uh, the amenities that, that, may, that we may, will find at, at the destination. Uh, you know, an ideal long weekend for us, for example, we're based in, uh, in South Florida. An ideal long weekend for us is to run over to the Bahamas, um, anchor out for maybe a night or two, but uh, then head to a, a marina and uh, tie the boat up, go for a lobster dinner and uh, maybe uh, some entertainment later on. That, that's, those are the kinds of things we like to do. And so the kind of boat we need has to meet that, has to meet the, those requirements. I like to, for example, uh, that's not a thing that you could do comfortably, I don't believe anyway, with a six knot boat. I mean, I'd rather have, I'd rather go from the coast of Florida to the Bahamas in about three hours at 25 to 30 knots, and then spend my time over in the Bahamas rather than spend eight to 12 hours going across the Gulf Stream to get there. That makes a difference. And, and I think people coming new to boating can often get caught up with the wrong ideas about what they're going to be doing and how to achieve, how to, how to get there, uh, how to achieve the goals that they want to reach. Did it take uh, you and your wife a long time to get on the same page as to what you wanted to do with the yacht? Because I'm always getting kind of conflicting dreams with the new yachtsman. I think the new yachtsman's a little bit of an armchair sailor and maybe has dreams of crossing oceans and maybe the missus has no desire to spend nights at sea. How do you think is the best way for a couple to realistically approach that? The, the, the best way is to, is to do a bit of chartering to decide what you, what you want to do. I mean, you don't have to charter and cross an ocean to figure out that, uh, to figure out that maybe you don't want to spend long hours in open waters. I mean, uh, an overnight, an overnight trip, uh, you know, across the, uh, across the Gulf of Mexico or from uh, a couple of, you know, a couple of points, say from, uh, say from Florida Bay up to the Panhandle straight across the Gulf, uh, maybe running 50 or 100 miles offshore, will give you a taste of, will give you a taste of what it's like to be at sea. And I think I can say this confidently, 90% of the people out there who are new to boating will not find that very interesting. Uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, hours and hours of uh, the same thing. So they're not going to find that interesting. What The interesting part about cruising for 90% of the yachtsmen who are there, out there, are the things that you see uh, along the shore and in harbors. What about um, the initial budget for um, the new yachtsmen? I, I get a lot of questions, and I, I guess, I, of course, it's dependent on the mission. But... Um, how do you think is the best way to approach how much they should spend on the boat and what their annual operating costs will be? What's your advice for them? Well, you know, the old rule of thumb was always uh, 
was that you could expect to spend in terms of maintenance and repair uh, approximately 10% of the first costs of the boat uh, if you started with a new boat. Uh, and I think that rule of thumb is pretty good. Uh, understanding that in that cost, uh, you have to amortize the longer term expenses as, as well. I mean, uh, you might not spend 10% of the cost of your vessel that first year, but at some point you're gonna have the vessel either repainted or you're gonna have the bottom done uh, or you're gonna have a, a major repair. So somewhere along the line, that cost is gonna go up temporarily. And what you need to do if you're estimating what your costs are going to be over a period of time is amortize those costs over those years. Have you seen a uh, big change in the technology um, as far as higher cruising speeds and the ability to use fuel more efficiently in the last decade compared to what you were doing 20, 30 years ago? Well, you know, the fact of the matter is uh, we haven't seen any real improvements, significant improvements in fuel efficiency when it comes to moving a given load at a given speed. Uh, you know, that's pretty well fixed in diesel engines. Specific fuel consumption is pretty well fixed. Um, so what happens here is if you want to move more fuel efficiently, you have to move at slightly slower speeds. As you, as you try to go faster, uh, the fuel consumption rises at a geometric rate. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a linear rate. So if you want to, let's say you, you're, you're running at 20 knots, you'll be using X amount of fuel. At 23 knots, you're not going to be using 20% more fuel. You're going to be using double the fuel you would use at 20 knots. So what you really need to do is to find for the vessel you've got, you need to find the most fuel efficient point, um, fuel efficient point for for what for the loads that you're that you're carrying, and and, the, and, and what you want to do. For the uh, new yachtsman that wants to go to the Bahamas for the first time, do you think that's something they can do on their own, or do you advise them to hire a captain that knows the waters pretty well first? I you know I, I would say that for somebody new, brand new. It doesn't hurt to, to hire a professional captain to take you over on your boat, show you, you know, show you how to enter the harbors, uh, show you how to get across the Bahama Bank. Um, you know, just getting across the Bahama Bank is, is an interesting issue because uh, probably in, in the size range that, that you're dealing with, that we're looking at, uh, probably not too much of a problem. Um, but if you end up with draft over six feet, uh, you find that you can't just willy-nilly cross the Bahama Bank from, say, the coast of Florida to the Bahamas. You have to find uh, areas where you can get across the bank. Um, below six feet of draft, you can cross the bank pretty much with impunity and, and head directly for your destinations. Um, in general, I'd say that if somebody is completely new or green, that it would not hurt at all to have professional help the first couple of times until you get familiar with what you're doing. When you were at Palmer Johnson and working with the bigger boats, where would you say that uh, a couple after they get experience makes that transition between a boat that's suitable to run themselves and where you really need a, either a first mate or a captain on board? In your mind, what's that vessel look like? 
Vessel, see, I, I believe that the breaking point is defined by what you're willing to clean yourself, <laughs> not run. Uh, it turns out, I mean, if, as a matter of fact, larger boats, uh, say if you compare a 40-footer to an 80-footer, the 80-footer is not much more difficult to operate. Uh, as a matter of fact, the larger, heavier boats uh, stay, stay better where you put them. So you, you, you have to develop the skills to operate the boat. But in general, they're not that much more difficult to operate. And of course, nowadays with bow thrusters and stern thrusters and uh, skyhook uh, sky engine controls, that is engine controls, which, will, uh, which, are, which, could, which create a vector that will keep you in one place. Uh, they, they'll vector the power so you can, you can stay in one place. Um, you can really handle a fairly large vessel. And I think personally, from an owner's standpoint, the breaking point comes at which, at the point at which you can no longer just even wash the boat yourself. You don't wanna spend, you don't wanna spend six or eight or 10 hours running and then another six or eight or 10 hours washing the boat down and keeping her clean. Um, and it's at that point where you need, where you need crew to maintain, to, to maintain the boat. Otherwise you never get to enjoy her. Now I can tell you this, uh, not too long ago, a few years ago, I supervised the construction of an 80 footer for uh, in Taiwan for a couple, um, a Texas couple. And uh, they were moving on, they were moving aboard. They were semi-experienced boaters, but had not been on a, on a vessel that size. And, but they wanted to move aboard and live aboard. And uh, that was, uh, you know, that was the breaking point. We, we felt that they could, we felt that at 80 feet, they could take care of minor cleaning the boat, minor maintenance, uh, but going any larger than that, um, they, would, uh, uh, they would need professional crew. Uh, and by the way, they did take professional crew as an insurance uh, requirement uh, for the first uh, four months they had the boat. But once they were oriented and had some experience, they uh, went off and, and they've been cruising now for three years, uh, uh, three, probably almost four years, uh, taking care of the boat themselves, running the boat themselves, docking, undocking, and, uh, uh, and in general, taking care, taking care of the boat. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, uh, that they do all the maintenance. I mean, they will they will hit areas, uh, places where they will hire professional people to come aboard and and catch up on maintenance. Uh, but I, I I have to say that's probably they're probably at the edge of that uh, uh, of, of that capability. Great, I think that's great advice. Um, I also get a question a lot from the new yachtsmen. You know, where do I start? You know, it's just there's a lot to get educated on, and I think a lot of new yachtsmen focus on, you know, going to diesel engine school or something. And I always tell them, you're probably not going to work on the diesel engine any more than you work on the engine on your car. But um, what systems and background would you suggest the new yachtsmen take on first as they get educated in this market? I, I think in my experience, new yachtsmen don't spend enough time um, really becoming familiar with the op systems operation on their vessels. I mean, that's, that's where the concentration needs to be, how to, how to turn on the systems, how to use the systems, and how to, how to determine 
how to how to do minor troubleshooting. So you find out you can tell if if you really have a problem, or you're forgetting to to turn a switch, or uh, or you need to reset something that's gotten into a that's gotten into a loop. There's a lot of computer control nowadays, and uh, you need to you need to be able to diagnose whether you really have a problem or not. So you'd say like freshwater system, air conditioning system, electrical system, those, those basic house systems just becoming familiar with, you know, how they work. And if something's not working, how to trace things back and understand them. Yes. Yeah. Now, not to do a full diagnosis, but only to get back to a point, uh, to get back to a point where uh, uh, you can, you, you can determine if you need, if you need service help. Now, one of the things that's advantageous these days, and one of the things that I would look out for is, is a lot of manufacturers are setting up their products with capabilities for remote diagnosis. So all you need, what you need to do is to, is to plug your cell phone uh, into, uh, into a port on the equipment and the factory can go online and diagnose what's going on and maybe even give you some instructions on how to fit it or refix re it or restart it, or tell you, no, we'll have to send a technician out. Thank you very much, Phil. It was very informative. And um, for all you new yachtsmen out there, please uh, post any questions you have for us. We'd be happy to get back to you. And please like and subscribe. Thank you.